Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Tyler, and this week we are going to be talking about strong kids and teaching children the power of their thoughts and emotions. And to do that, I have brought on Jennifer Kitt. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Um... Before we get started talking about this wonderful book um, Mm -hmm. that you uh, and Naomi wrote, um, let's hear a little bit about your background. What led you to write this book? Where where has your journey been? Well, my journey for the last 30 plus years is that I am um, still a broadcaster after 30 something years. So communication has been my my love, my life, really. Writing has has been something that I've enjoyed doing. But when we started teaching and really empowering people through our various programs at my nonprofit, it really began to dawn on me, hey, I want to talk directly to kids. I talk to adults. I talk to teens. I talk to tweens. I talk to (laughs) everyone. But I wasn't talking to the young folks. And so we really sat down, my daughter and myself, she's also a journalist, she's a television anchor reporter. And so we kind of just kicked around and thought about what it would look like if we actually brought the same kinds of thoughts and ideas and concepts that we are teaching all these other wonderful people if we brought those to kids. And that's really where Strong Kids came about. I know kids are strong and I want them to know that they are strong too. They they really are. And I... um... As a nanny, I, I'm so honored that I get to go in and, and work with kids. And um, and I tell parents all the time because parents, you know, get rightfully worried sometimes yeah. that yeah. Um, about, you know, their kids' really strong feelings. Um, mm. And I, I tell them all the time that, one, it's normal, and two, naming it helps us not shame it, right? Absolutely. And so um, teaching the kids also to name their own emotions is so important, which is what I love about this book. So let's hear a little bit. I I know you told us kind of what led you to write this book, but what was your journey with writing this specific book for children? Where did you start? 
Right. So what we had begun to see is that when we would talk to older kids, like maybe 13 years old and older, 13 to 18 years old, Mm -hmm. this wonderful concept, it's in our second module of our strong girls curriculum, Mm -hmm. right? But it's all about emotional intelligence. So when we took it, broke it apart, look, what you are thinking about generates these emotions and then these emotions can take you up or down in your mood and 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 then when you produce yourself we call it the mood elevator riding the elevator up and down and then when you come out of the elevator depending on what you've been thinking feeling and the mood that you're in it's going to dictate how you behave and to see the light bulb go (laughs) off right yes you do have control over your emotions because you are the one thinking right so if you're thinking these things that are that are driving these really intense feelings it's going to produce a certain type of behavior and so I said one day, I had gotten asked to speak to a, a bunch of kindergartners. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Will they understand this idea that if I think my friend is so cool and that makes me happy, and then how am I going to behave when I'm happy? I was like, I think they could get that. And that really is the foundational premise on what Strong Kids sits on, that what we are thinking creates these emotions, these feelings, and those feelings drive what we're going to do. Mm. Loving thoughts, loving behavior. Sad thoughts, sad behavior. It sounds so simple. But I promise you, even as adults, we we forget that our feelings aren't the drivers. We actually are the drivers. And it's wonderful. The videos that I've seen of kids when they actually get the book and they's like, wait, I can see me. I can see me in this. And it really does help to reinforce that whole idea. What you're thinking drives what you're feeling. What you're feeling drives your behavior. Yeah, that is. And, and I, I tell kids all the time, like when, when they are overwhelmed or, or really angry or things when we're after we've calmed down and we have sensory boxes and we have methods of calming back down, Mm -hmm. bringing that frontal lobe (laughs) back to a calm state. Um, (laughs) But once, once they're calm and we're kind of, you know, going over it later, maybe at snack time or or whenever, when we're talking about it, I say, I'm that, that didn't look like it felt fun. That looks like it felt scary to you. And a lot of times they, you know, light up and they were like, it is, it was, I didn't like that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's so interesting. I, I don't think that we realize, I mean, you had talked about that executive functioning that's happening right at the front of our brains. Well, that whole system, that whole structure 
really is this brain-to-brain dance between child and and caregiver, right? So if the child has had this this opportunity to, to attach and attach well, they have this ability to be able to, to, to read mom and dad and caregivers and understand, oh, that should make me feel happy or that should make me feel sad or when I am just oh, overwhelmed, this is how you cope, right. right? So those skills are skills that they are learning before they can even say their names, Right. So when we pick them up at two or three years old and we start to say, hey, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Those are skills that parents can begin, caregivers can begin really working with kids even before they have a full vocabulary or a full um, uh, repertoire of being able to speak and say things. We are brain beings, right? And so we can begin to train and teach kids in such a way that they can have control. And that's what I really want to see. I feel so strong as a person when I know I'm in control, right? Mm -hmm. When things are frightening or they scare me or I'm overwhelmed, I don't feel like I'm in control and I don't feel good. No. The same with kids. It's the exact same with kids. And that's really what I want, you know, parents and caregivers and kids to understand. We are much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. And I, I think it's a really good point that kids are stronger than we give them credit for. Exactly. Exactly. Um, That even though, even if they don't have the language around what they're feeling, the feelings are still just as real and they and they still can control them, um, and and they're learning. Like it, it takes practice. And as adults, we mess up all the time too. All the time, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's why the wonderful words "I'm sorry" um, that came out, you know, or being able to just silence before something comes out. Right. right. All of those skills. Think about it. We've learned, right? Mm-hmm. So our children. That's what I, I love about you know being able to to kind of get down on the floor, so to speak, with strong kids and look them eye to eye and say, "You are strong, based on the way that you you're made. You're strong. Your brain it's it's a fantastic organ. Are you kidding me? All we've got to do is begin to give them that um, that encouragement that they can exercise their strength this way emotionally. Yeah. So what um, methods have you found to certainly read the book with the children? Oh, right, Um, right, right. And and we will, there'll be a link for you listeners down in the show notes that you can go get the book because it really is fantastic. Um, And I love the artwork. Like it's, it's colorful and, and just, the kids' faces are, are wonderful. I love it. Um, and, then, and then the words are, are also wonderful. So there will be a link for that. But when, once, you, once you have your book in your home, right. how do you encourage parents and caregivers to interact with the kids and the book? So I think about this book as an opportunity and a springboard right? So the book is not the read it and now you know, right? (laughs) The book is this 
continuation in this conversation journey that I'm hoping parents will have. So in a very practical way, it's okay. It's bedtime, right? I envision, you know, parents, it's a two minute read. I mean, literally boom, boom, you're done. Right. But at the end of it, we put these four faces and the four faces are hangry, sad, loving, different kinds of emotions. And so what I envision is that a mom or a dad or a caregiver can point to a face and can say, what made you, what were you thinking about today that made you happy? Yeah. What were you thinking about today that made you loving? What were you thinking about today that might've made you angry or what made you sad? And talk through the scenario. So when you know, when my brother and my sister took my cookie, I really was mad at them that they, you know, that kind of verbalization, doing a number of different things. A, beginning to give them the creation of the language necessary to express themselves, giving them understanding of how that thought and that feeling drove that behavior. It really gives them this idea too, that we've got many different kinds of emotions. So you're not going to always be happy or always be sad or always be angry. There's the variance. So I could even see it during lunchtime you're checking in or, you know, because I think about it, I'm a very um, verbose person. I communicate a lot. And so that's always the question that I'm asking. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on? That I think is not happening enough. And my evidence because I'm with the kids when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and they're very honest about, about <laughs> what they are able to or not able to express. And, and, and home base safety is key. So that's what I'm hoping strong kids will become, a tool to be used frequently to begin to ask children what they're thinking. So they have to think about what they're thinking about Right. And tying that to the feeling and talking about behavior. And that way, I'm hoping eventually a world, right, where kids (laughs) can self-soothe and self-calm and recognize, wait a minute, I'm starting to feel this, which means let me check what I'm thinking about this moment so that I can begin myself to regulate. Because that's what's supposed to happen, right? After they're two, three, four, five, they start getting out into the world and you want to have kids that can self-regulate. Right. That's how we teach them. And that's what I'm hoping this tool will be able to do. Yeah. And I, I love that idea of having a tool and kind of having, building that daily check-in around this instead of only dealing with it when it's a problem. And that is so key. We're not going to talk about why you're having a meltdown in the middle of Target in the middle of Target. We're not going to do that. It doesn't work. I've raised four kids. It does not work. We talk about that, you know, maybe over breakfast or at cookie time or at, you know, at, at rest time or let's, you know, decompress, whatever. We don't talk about it during that moment. We teach the skills to hopefully get the behavior that we want the next time that we go out in right. public or that kind of thing. So that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. And and ca- helping kids learn that, you know, ramp up of like, I'm feeling it. And also, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm, I'm also sitting here thinking, 
this is a great refresher for adults too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Certainly we can get drawn into the kids that we're caring for's whirlpool, right? Of Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's this idea that that emotional regulation, right? It's 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 driven by these processes happening in our brain. And what we don't want to do is let our physiology take over our psychology, meaning don't let our, our bodies and our brains drive. We're in control, right? We've got the ability to be able to think and feel and respond appropriately. I just see that there's just a lot of hurt today. There's just a lot of pain today. It shouldn't be painstaking for mom to grab the kids to go to the grocery store or for dad to take the kids out for a walk. It shouldn't be a meltdown every right. single time, right? So I'm, I know that there's some, there's some skills that are missing. And so that's what I'm hoping that we can begin to talk directly to children. That's another thing because I've, I've had um, parents of like seven year olds, eight year olds, because the book is written in such an easy way right. that those kids that can start to read, that's really exciting for me because then they grab their own book and they regulate and they think through and they learn themselves without mom or dad. Hey, happy thoughts make me feel happy and go up and sad thoughts make me feel sad and go down. So they can continue to reinforce that kind of thought and idea. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, do you have like, um, emotion, I, I know that there's the four in the back of the book. Do you have others when you're teaching or um, leading your programs? Do you have like wider emotion charts? Oh, absolutely. So we teach our strong girls the the eight emotion categories, right? Mm -hmm. And then with each category in our in our workbook, in the actual exercise, there are only about two or three per category. But in the back of the book, there's the entire list of beginning to build this emotional vocabulary. Because I, I say to kids, um, tweens and teenagers, fine is not an emotion. Mm -mm. Okay is not an emotion. <laughs> I or I'm cool. The, all of those are not <laughs> emotion words. So, and, and it's not just angry, right? You could be right. exasperated. You could be frustrated. You could be enraged, right? right? There are different levels, even within the categories of words. That's why I like the fact that even as young as three, two, three, four, we can begin to help our children build an emotional vocabulary. I think that's very, very important. It's something that we teach our, our older children, and it most definitely is something that I believe parents should begin to pull together their own emotional vocabulary uh, toolkits for their own children so that they can give them a wide variety. Because today, all we have is angry or happy. Right. Sad. Yeah. We're, we're more complex than that. Right. And especially I have found when I nanny for boys, there's, you know, there's this, this push towards angry is the only emotion you're allowed to feel. Exactly. Exactly. And it hurts my heart so much because they contain so much more. And that's the thing, you know, so strong kids, boys, girls, you know, different ethnicities, cultures, it doesn't matter. But the idea that 
we are only emotional beings as women. That is so, so wrong. And so, so wrong. It's dangerous. Absolutely. So when we have, um, we've got young adult programming that's co-ed. And so that's right. the time that I get to, to talk with the young men. And so when they, they can begin to learn that shame, that yeah. disgust, that um, curiosity, that yeah. surprise, you know, there's so many different types of emotions that they are experiencing and they are feeling, but because no one has ever, it's so funny, you know, in school, I can remember, you know, spelling bees and vocabulary tests, and we, we test kids to learn these words, but we don't, we don't test them to actually experience them or know what they mean, right? right? So it's something that I believe parents boys and girls, no matter what your ethnicity is, that you need to begin to teach your children. Because different cultures have different ways of expression or non-expression, right? But yet and still, we still are human and we experience things. And I believe that kids need to be given at least the range of possibilities so that they can know how to really be um, as robust as they are, as strong as they really are. Yeah. And and I, I like to sometimes think of it kind of like teaching colors yes. of like, we start when they're two, you know, and we teach them red and green and blue and yellow. Right. And then as they get older, then we start with the magenta and the exactly. teal. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is so true. And I think that, you know, because we're not helping our kids process it turns into very very strained situations right that tenseness that that you can feel it when you go into some people's homes i mean you yeah. can feel the tension that's in there it's not good it's not a good environment it's not good for us and it's all driven by our emotions but our emotions are not standalone entities they're right. driven by these ways that we're thinking the self talk that we have. Kids have self-talk. They are right. saying something to themselves. Let's at least begin to teach them what that could be in a positive manner. Yeah, that is actually something that I have not thought about in that way. Yeah. Outright. Yeah. That's really right. lovely of, um, of, yeah, kids are, they're developing their self-talk. Exactly. And I know most of my 20s, my self-talk was really hard on and myself. Thank you. <laughs> and mine too. And as a mom, oh my God. Oh my gosh. And when yeah. you're caring for someone else's children, what you think about them, if we can you know, take a little mask off here, right. it matters. It, it absolutely does. matters. That, that ability to empathize, that ability to connect heart to heart, to feel what you're feeling. Do not think for a moment that children can't feel before they can express mm -hmm. what they're feeling. And if you're not thinking nice about them, they know it. Come right. on, they know it. So I would be, I'm not happy with you right now. <laughs> I am just not happy. Right now I'm not happy with you. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about what that looks like or let's go away and then come back at it. I would much rather that modeling than being angry and, and you know, acting out that kind of way. But kids have self-talk too. Let's begin to help them develop a positive self talk between their two ears. Yes. Yes. And, and also I love what you said about modeling of 
like talking through with kids, like this is how I feel it in my body, I think is, is so, so powerful to be Mm -hmm. like, I start to notice that my breath gets shallow, my cheeks get flush, you know, and then I know something is wrong. And then I can investigate. (laughs) So good. That is so good. You know, in our, in our strong girls curriculum, we teach the uh, um, emotional intelligence, like a tree with four branches, Mm -hmm. that very first branch, it seems like it's, it's counterintuitive to say, or it doesn't even make sense to say that the first branch is to be aware. And then they look at me puzzled. Like, what do you mean? It's like, you're going to tell me that, you know, every time that you're feeling something and they were like, Oh, you're right. Sometimes it takes a moment or for it sneaks you. up on you. Sneaks up on you. Exactly. You have a visceral response to something and wait, where did that come from? Or you you meet someone and instantly it's not feeling good. Kids feel that too. Yeah. Kids experience that too. So that awareness, that is something that we model for them and can help navigate for them and with them as they're building their emotional intelligence. Yeah. And then that, I'm, I'm just like running in my brain, yeah. um, that can then go towards talking to them about tricky people of like, when you do get that feeling, pay attention to it. That's worth paying attention to. Thank you. Go find a, an adult that you trust when you exactly. feel that. And the thing about it, you know, I remember, I don't know, years ago, the, the stranger danger situation, right. we were teaching kids. But then I started working, especially with our our teen girls, Mm -hmm. and you will be surprised, you probably won't be surprised, (laughs) how many second guess that that thing, right? Right. That that feeling, right? Which Which is intuitive, which is gut, visceral, and they've learned to disregard it. Yes. And I think it starts all here where we're talking about. Let's have continual daily dinnertime conversations about what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and validate it. That's what asking and and hearing, that's what it it validates. So you did feel angry today, or you did feel frustrated, or you were, um, you, you regretted your behavior, or, or you felt very happy, or you felt loving because that validates it. I'm not crazy because I felt this way, right? We need that validation as adults and you better believe our little ones need it as well. Yeah. It also helps make them, um, more resistant against gaslighting in the future. Yes, exactly. Of being like, no, I do know how I felt about this situation. <laughs> and no, I'm not the cause of your bad behavior, right? right? I own me. You own you, but all of those skills are taught in our caregiving relationships. I mean, whomever is with, you know, the, the child, um, whoever has that child's attention or has that child's heart, that's the person that I believe is responsible for making sure that they are protecting and that they are safe and that they are validating what they're thinking and feeling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things that I'm, I'm hearing and I just want to pull out for a second yes. mm-hmm. of, so reading the book together as part of your, you know, daily routine is a great place to start. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then building on it from there of all those skills that, that 
we know, but sometimes need to be reminded of, of reflecting the feelings that we're seeing in our children that we're yes. giving care to, of, um, you know, helping them soothe themselves until they are ready to do it on their own. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then also checking in daily, at least daily, if not more than, more than once a day. Think about it. Neuroscience says between 30 to 60,000 thoughts that we're thinking a day, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that the brain is designed, it's designed with this wonderful plasticity so that we can create new ideas, new learnings, and it actually struck, it, it actually changes the very structure of our brains. And so with neuroscience, we now understand and know that this learning is happening always. It's not just a one and done. We are thinking continuously. And for little children, we are building their memories. We are building their blueprint for future success. Mm. And if that blueprint is not right, think about it. If you hand an architect blueprints that aren't right, he can't build the house that you want. Yeah. That's what we're doing. So that's why I'm not saying daily to sell books. I'm saying daily in order to make sure that we are building the future men and women that our children are going to be. It's, it's regardless of my book, we have to have these conversations. All I would suggest Look outside, turn on the news this evening. You will see a world melting down right. because we aren't having the proper conversations with ourselves, with our loved ones, the thinking, the feeling, and all we're doing is trying to mitigate behavior without going back and really trying to figure out what the blueprint needs to be. I am so, so like... This has got to happen. We've got right. to do this for our children. They deserve, they deserve to grow up in an atmosphere and in a, in a world in which their thinking and their feeling is validated and can be actually, they can walk through it before they have to be tested and tried like they're going to be as life goes on. So yeah, I think it's very important to every day. I do too. I do too. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I love that blueprint metaphor. Um, I think that that's, or even if you hand them one that's right, but fuzzy or doesn't have, you know, the measurements on it. Right. So I okay. think that that's where that, you know, and here's learning where, the names of emotions. is important. Absolutely. And it comes back into, so one of the things that we do with our young, our, our young adult, I call them young adults, but they're right. our teens. When we're talking about healthy relationships, I have um, just like this checklist to kind of think through um, your significant other, if you're, if you're allowed to date or when you get that to that point, they love it. It's called the Bay List. So we go through oh, the, yeah, the that before anyone else lists. But one of the key, the E in Bay is empathy, right? Mm. If you're looking for, and we have them rate themselves, and if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, rate them as well. Because you can't look for what you're not providing. And so it's an eye-opening experience yeah. for them. Okay, so you want Bay to have empathy. Do you have empathy? So we talk about what this idea of empathy is. That is an emotional intelligence skill. Yes. That is learned. 
and it's learned in our caregiving relationships. If I can't feel what you're feeling, I will never be able to validate you. I will never be able to love you the way that you want to be loved. And so when I see these young women, oh my God, I don't have, that's, I can't rate myself a five. Maybe I'm like at a two. Got to start developing that at 17. Think about that. When we have the opportunity to start doing that at two and three. Yeah. How did your sister feel when you body slammed her? What do you think she, you know, what, what, you know, what did you feel when they bullied you or they said that mean thing to you? You know how you felt. You don't like to feel that way. Right. You don't like to think that way. So then you can understand why you shouldn't do that to someone else. It seems so simple. Yeah. I can't believe we've missed it, but we are missing it. And we've got to go back and get it. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, we do. We need to go back and get it and <laughs> also and also give it to the children that are coming up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do when I talk to to nannies all the time, mm -hmm. I you know, we talk about that you can't provide these lessons and skills for kids without doing the work yourself first. Absolutely. And that's the same for mom and dad. It's the same for caregivers and daycare centers. It's the same for teachers. It's the same for people. I can't be in relationship with you until I have developed skills. We think that love is so easy, right? right. It's one of the most complicated verbs to yes. do love, right? <laughs> to not to be love, but to do it. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And we've got to, and I don't think that anyone's telling anyone we, we have to learn how to love. It's not something that just oozes from us and just, you know, it's work. It's work right. to do that. And I would love to be able to to have our children know how to love and how to feel and how to think and how to be their best selves because I think they're strong enough to do it. I do too. I do too. And um, I, I know you kind of brush past being loved, but I also think that that can be really hard for some people too. Oh, to receive it? Uh, yeah, to receive yes. love. Um, because sometimes we've, we've built up these walls through, through not really understanding what's going on within ourselves and, right. and therefore not being able to like extend that drawbridge in a safe way. Right. And so I think that sometimes that can be, I, I think in, in caregivers, sometimes the loving actually isn't the tricky piece. I think it's sometimes it's the, yeah, receiving of the oh, love. That's good. That's really good. It's a two-way street. It takes right. both of us to be able to do that though. That's, that's really, really good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I, I think it can lead to, um, modeling of unhealthy things. Of, of those, I don't trust my own feelings. I don't, but I will validate yours. I'll trust yours. And so that's the true way of street of it, I think is really important, at least in, in my experience personally. Yeah. And then also in my experience, just hanging out with other nannies. I wow. think that that's, wow. that's something that happens a lot. That's good to know though. I mean, so is it a, a love from the children or love 
from the, 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 the families that you're a part of or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think sometimes, uh, and then, and then also the self-love piece, mm. right? Yes, 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 yes. That's good. Um, but I do think that sometimes we get so into putting out right? All of this energy, all of this love. And then we don't necessarily recognize how the children are showing us love, how the family is showing us love. And then we feel underappreciated and taken advantage of when that's not what's happening. That's good. Um, Or maybe it is partly what's happening, but the, the way to move through that to a place of peace is by addressing it, not absolutely, by absolutely it. right. Because the the thought, the feeling, the behavior, the model. I mean, it, it's just it's so it's so relevant. And to your point, then being in tune or being a person that is in tune with what that you're feeling something and you have named that appropriately, what you're feeling, which will allow you to hopefully express it in, a, in an appropriate, you know reasonable way and then manage your emotions. I mean, that is the core of emotional intelligence. And it is something, it is a skill that I believe for too long, emotions have have not been given their, their proper place in how we are as humans. Meaning that I think that we've just kind of taken them for granted. That they're going to be there, they're going to work for us, or they're going to, you know, whatever, but we've right. not really tried to understand them and not we've definitely, I don't think enough, tried to harness them to use them for our advantage to be able to love and to be loved and to be in relationship with one another. But it all starts with this very basic thing that we're talking about here with our children, right? To help them begin to develop what's necessary so that they don't have to navigate the the tough things that a lot of people have had to navigate. Yeah. So if, if, nannies are listening and and they're thinking to themselves okay great oh that sounds great right Um, right right but I'm working in someone else's home and Mm -hmm. they are not putting a lot of emphasis on emotional intelligence that's interesting what are some um ways that a nanny could start that conversation um what are some like good science backed reasons that this is just as important as academics as. Well, so here's the the theory. Um, I'm writing a paper on it now, attachment theory, right? Right. So if you have the child, I think, think about the child in the middle of concentric circles, right? Mm -hmm. So the child has the circle that's closest and then gets a little bit further. The the circle that's the closest to that child, nanny, mom, dad, grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, they are the ones that are helping to build who that child is. If that child has not learned how to attach in a secure and positive manner, to those that are closest to them, the research says Mm -hmm. all kinds of detrimental possibilities 
are out there for that child, right. not being able to learn, not being able to be in good relationship, deviant behaviors, you know, um, pathologies that are not good for them. And all of that stems from love mm -hmm. and attachment and being able to be held and to be able to have empathy, to know when I need it and know what I need and to help me get what I need emotionally, intellectually, physically with my body. It's more than just putting clothes on and feeding, right? We are organic, biological human beings. So the argument is, if a human does not have the ability to securely attach because they're not being validated, validated in your thoughts or their feelings. They're not having the ability to be able to express what they might be thinking or feeling. They're not going to feel safe. They're not right. going to feel connected. They're going to be insecure in who they are. And as they move out in those circles, they won't be able to relate to others. The very argument is your responsibility is to ensure that the human that you are raising is a loving, secure, whole person. Right. And if they are broken emotionally, they will be broken. Right. They will be broken. And that is not, I don't, I can't even imagine even a, uh, uh, an unaware parent, I can't imagine that their heart's desire would be to send their children down a pathway right. that would harm them. I just can't believe that. Now, maybe they don't know. And as I've said, many cultures don't have an emphasis on this touchy-feely stuff. Right. But nonetheless, they still have some kind of way of connection and love is universal. So we can talk about feelings from that love standpoint all day long, but it's the most powerful and basic feeling and emotion that we can have. Our children need it. Nannies have a tremendous opportunity to build the emotional skills because here's how our brains work, right? I'm attached to you. You have me, you have all of me, right? And in relationship, we can grow together. They can do tremendous, they can be tremendous help. I think about it like uh, the scaffolding on a building. Yeah. The Notre Dame is being redesigned and they've got scaffolding all around it because of the fire, right? right. So what are they doing? They're supporting it and they're reworking its face, its structure. That's what we do. That's what parents do. That's what nannies do. That's what teachers do. Anyone that's close enough in that child's concentric circle can do that. So I think they have a tremendous opportunity to demonstrate mm -hmm. for that family that may not be as attuned uh, yeah. to, to the emotional necessity. They have the ability to be able to demonstrate that children can act and behave much differently if they are supported emotionally this way. Yeah, and you've mentioned the cultural piece a couple of times, and I just want to touch on it in that if the family that you're nannying for, the culture in that family is not one of touchy-feely love, right? Um, I think perhaps a, a, a good way to sell it is they're going to need to seek this from somewhere. So why not teach them the culture that you 
you live in, show exactly. them, show them the love that is in your culture. Um, and bring out, you know, the best in your culture before so sending true. them into the world. Our, our Strong Girls program is a multicultural program. So we've got girls as far away as Rwanda, Africa, to girls who've lived in China, girls from Pakistan, from all over the world, Hispanic culture, Latina culture, uh, Muslim culture, Black culture, white culture. I mean, we have, we have it all. Right. And what we have noticed is, and the girls talk freely about it, Right. Culture is great within the four walls of our homes. Mm -hmm. But here in the United States, once you walk out of your home, you are then in a bigger context, a bigger American culture. Right. And so when I've talked to strong girls about it doesn't necessarily compete, but it matters. They come from a sense of their own ethnicity their own culture, their own race, but then they get into a larger culture and they need to know how to navigate that as well. So right. another argument could be just to be able to be confident in your navigation outside of your own culture because we live in a complete world and we are right. all connected in ways that we could have never dreamed of 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. So I think that we have an obligation to be global citizens, right? What does that look like? We still have to have some kind of an emotional intelligence about how the globe works, humanity works globally. Right, yeah. And this is slightly off topic, but it, uh, so I'm currently in grad school to become a family counselor. Oh, and <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and something that I read in one of my textbooks, was, which was about trauma, kids and trauma, mm -hmm. um, was that, there's actually, so we, we frequently hear of fight or flight, right? right. Of right. that idea. Um, and, and now it's starting to be more fight, flight, or freeze mm -hmm. um, is mm -hmm. more. But this book argues that there's actually four responses. Mm. Fight, flight, freeze, or submit. Ooh, that's and, interesting. Right. And it was talking about particularly um, survivors of trauma are often in that submit category. And I, I bring that up to say that um, when a child is having really big feelings, whether they have capital T or little t trauma, mm -hmm. um, because I believe that we all have trauma. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> like I agree. Literally every person walking this earth has trauma. Exactly. To be alive is to have suffered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so I, I just wanted to bring it up because I think sometimes when we, when we see children having those big emotions and then they submit, we think that it's taken care of. That's good. And just to reframe that of, no, they did the same thing in their brain as fight or flight or freeze. That's good. Um, and just because they're doing what you're asking them to do does not mean that they are emotionally okay. That is so true. Compliance does not, I mean, many children, you, you bring up the trauma, right? And you bring up the fact that we have all had toxic stressors in our lives. Right. To be human is to experience that. But many of us have had to 
submit to survive. So survival is not the same as thriving because I've survived does not necessarily mean that I've thrived, does not necessarily mean that I'm flourishing, that from the core of who I am all the way out, that I am completely in, 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 in alignment and authentic who I am. You're absolutely correct. And again, until a child, I remember I did a, um, a, a mastering resilience um, workshop with moms. Mm. And I said to the moms, because this was right in the middle of COVID, I said, even if you have teenagers, please don't assume that because you're not hearing anything from them that they're okay. Right. And one mom, I said, ask them. Just yeah. like, duh, ask them, right? <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't being rude, but right. just like, you know, just that, yeah. What up, right? And one mom said to me, oh my God, I I never asked my kid. I, I've never asked them. During COVID, I have not, I've seen them do their work. I've seen them go to school. I've seen them, you know, stay in their room, coat, what, but I never asked them, were they okay? Yeah. Wow. So to your point, yes, just because I'm submissive or doing what you think you've asked me to do doesn't mean that here I'm okay. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that to say that I, I think the daily check-in yes, is absolutely. a really good place to figure out, are they submitting to survive? That's good. That's <laughs> um, good. Or are, was it actually taken care of? Like, do they feel safe? Do they feel back yes. to base? Do they feel ready to face whatever situation was upsetting again? That is so true. That is excellent. That that's exact because I, you know, just think about the course of 24 hours. How many right. different feelings do you feel? How many different thoughts do you have? Exactly. It's something that needs to be talked about so that it's not weird. Right. That's the bottom line. Don't make it weird. Have it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, let's sit in the weird together. Because I think <laughs> it's also it's a, it's really good to be like with kids, like, you know what? I felt really mad. Like I dropped that spoon that I had just washed off. Exactly. And I felt really mad about that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Modeling, teaching, training, and, and giving them permission. Oh, I'm not crazy. That's the one thing we want to know. We just want to know that we're not way off in left field. We want to know that we are part of something and that that something is good. That's what we right. want as humans. Yeah. 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 And I, I just encourage all the nannies listening and caregivers of any kind. Cause I do have, I have parents and grandparents that listen to, um, and aunts and uncles. Hi Jenna. <laughs> I know she's particularly an aunt that listens, um, that, uh, that creating a safe space for your kids is one of the most important things that you can do with your time Absolutely. on the earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The next generation, we will cease to exist as humans on this planet if we stop caring for that next generation. They need us and they need us to be as whole as we can be so that we can hopefully encourage them to be as whole and as strong as they can be. Caregivers have the ultimate, the ultimate opportunity for improving the next generation. I mean, I applaud the work that you guys are doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I love my job. <laughs> um, I really do. And I feel so lucky because 
um, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids out there that, um, that I have certainly touched their lives, but more importantly, they've touched mine. I've learned so much. Oh, isn't that the, that's the fun part. That really yeah. is the fun part to see things through their eyes, to give them the opportunity to share what their thoughts are. And oh, I never thought about that before that way. I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a really great dynamic I think to be in. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, is there anything that you feel like we we didn't touch on, we didn't talk about? Um, oh, no, I, I love like the conversation. Add? No, I love the conversation. I think it's a very, it's good. I mean, I've had so many different kinds of conversations and, and mostly we're just talking to parents. And I'm not saying that just as if that's a bad right. thing. It's a great thing. But there are a lot of other people in our kids' lives yeah. They're caregivers. I mean, I think about my four and they only had one caregiver and they all, you know, grew up. Moet was just as much a part of our lives as, 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 as mom, right? Because yeah. that's who I'm leaving you with. And then when they got to be older, there was another one, a best friend of mine and Moet and Miss Betty. So that mm -hmm. mom, Moet, you know, so there was like three, three in that category plus dad and uncles and, and all that kind of stuff. So right. I, I think that parents forget, honestly, sometimes that it takes a village, right? And it our does. caregivers are so important. Our teachers, those, those people who have access to help our children become better. Yes. The work that you're doing is fantastic. I love this conversation. The book is available and I'd love to have people have more conversations like this. Yes, I would too. So let's talk for a second where, uh, where can people find out more, particularly about strong kids, but also about the rest of the work that you're doing. Cause like I have nanny kids that are older now that might be more appropriate for a different yes. program. So my last name, K-E-I-T-T, -T, Kit Institute is the work that I'm doing, that work that we're doing through our nonprofit. It's called the Kit Institute. So it's K-E-I-T-T institute.org for all of that work. And Strong Kids has its own website, strongkids.me. Oh, yeah. perfect. And both of those websites will be down in the show notes. So um, if you are driving or doing yeah. dishes or whatever, do not worry. It's there for you. It's there, you yes. Just Thank click on so it much. and go. <laughs> great, great, great opportunity. Yeah, this has been so wonderful. Thank um, you. Yeah. Okay. So we end each episode with a cute, funny story. Yes, and exactly. this week I, um, I have brought one. Um, so last week with my, I I'm with two, two year olds right now. I'm in a Ooh. nanny share. Um, and we were reading, um, the book Olivia, which is like a pig and her family. Um, and I think that they live in Chicago because they went to a museum in the book and there were like the ballerinas, there was like a Rembrandt mm. painting in there, you know, and Olivia's looking at all these things. And then we turn the page and it's a Pollock painting. So, you know, like all the swirls and like, and my little one goes, oh no. And she tried to clean it off. She thought it was, she thought it was oh, messy. <laughs> Just, wow. I just sat there laughing and she looked at me, you know, like, why are you laughing? Like my book <laughs> is hurt. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. You're right. Like, wow. This is how this painting looks. You're so cool. 
my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is fantastic. It just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> she grabbed it's one of her little cute. sister's burp rags. And oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is adorable. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, so yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. This thank was you wonderful. Again. Thank you. Let me yeah. know when it's going to air. I will. I will. Okay. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.